Good morning, saints. Good morning. Good morning, sinners. Good morning. What a blessed thing to worship a Lord who is full of truth and grace. It is great to see Bill Schaffner back again with us. If you didn't know, two weeks ago he had an incident where a guy stabbed him in the back, twisted around, and then got into his wallet. So we hope that surgery went well. I'm glad that Lance said something about the calendar that you have in your worship uh, bulletin. I would encourage you to take that home, put it on the refrigerator, uh, put it somewhere, put it on the back of the door, someplace that you'll be in front of it often, and take opportunities to serve the kingdom whenever you see a date rolling up. Matter of fact, go out of your way and put it on your date calendars to make sure that your dates don't conflict with the work of the church. I really want to encourage you to get involved this year and make a commitment to serve the community around you through these special events. Can we do that? There's two of you who can do that. Can we do that? All right. We continue on with our sermon series, Encounters with Christ. I need is less of me touching that microphone. There we go. Just what I need. Christ is just what I need when I need it. Our scripture will be found in John 11, starting with verse 17. So if you have a Bible in front of you, please take it out. Turn to John chapter 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you or beneath the seat in front of you. But please take it out and let's read together this morning. Our key scripture this morning is 11, 25, and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? When Jesus finally makes it to Lazarus' house, Lazarus has been there in the tomb for four days. And Mary and Martha are deep into grieving. What Jesus does next is one of the most famous events in all of history. But more than just being a famous event, it really shows us, it really reveals to us who Jesus is, His character, and what He's come to do. Let's read together. On His arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet Him. But Martha stayed in the house. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you what you ask. But Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection the life, the one who believes in me will live, though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Martha and Mary both come to Jesus with the exact same phrase in 21 and 32. Lord, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. But they both get a dramatically different response. Martha comes in, in what seems to be a message of, of despair and anxiety. And, and John doesn't mention Martha's uh, her anatomical position as if to say she's standing upright and looking him right in the eye. She's not heartbroken. She's leaning into despair. And Jesus is pushing back. He's reminding her, this is not the end. This is not how it's going to end. Not for you and not for anyone who believes in me. He's rebuking her doubt and he's giving her faith in truth. Martha seems to get it, right? Martha seems to, to then somehow pull her perspective together. Yes, I get it, she's saying. Yes, I understand. My emotions were getting the best of my faith. Now I remember. Now I remember who you are and what you are doing for us. You are the man God. Come to this earth to save us. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Then Mary heard, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. It appears that both Martha and Mary know what's going to happen if you announce that Jesus is coming to town. A crowd, a, a throng of people are going to go to him. So she pulls her aside and, and whispers to her quietly, Jesus is here and he's looking for you and tells her where she's at. And she thinks, I'm going to have a moment alone with Christ. So she jumps up and she runs out. But obviously she doesn't get that moment alone with Christ because those who love her, those who are grieving with her, think she's going to the tomb and they follow her there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how they loved him. Mary comes with the exact same phrase, but this time the, the response is completely different. He, he doesn't argue with her. Matter of fact, he's pra practically speechless at this point. Instead of pushing back against 
what she says, he enters into her heartache with her. Well, look at her posture. It reflects her spiritual posture. Humble, heartbroken. She's not arguing. She's not angry. She's grief-stricken. And Jesus enters in to that and cries with her. Why is Christ strong one moment and so vulnerable the next? His encounter with, with Martha and Mary shows a truth about Jesus. He is truth and grace. You know, the foundations of most religions, the founders of those faith will say, I'm a great prophet. I'm going to show you how to find God. But Christ says, I'm God who's come to find you. And that changes everything. Doesn't it? A God that would come to find you. Do we really see Jesus? Do we see his character? Do we see his love? Do we really know him? Because he's just what I need. He is the man who thirsts, yet is God. Remember, just a couple of weeks ago, we studied this, the woman at the well. Jesus was tired and thirsty, and he stops by the well, and he asks for a drink, and then he, then he declares to the woman at the well that I am the one speaking. I am he. I am God. I am the Messiah. This is the God who, is forget, who forgives all sins, yet cares for our needs. Re, remember the man lowered down from the ceiling on ropes on his bed? And Jesus says, I forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. But then he cares enough to look at him and say, get up and walk. And re, he relieves him of his pain. This is a man who, who can call upon his father to send legions of angels, yet practices divine forgiveness. Remember in Matthew 26 and, and 53, he, he tells the disciples, hey, if I wanted to win by violence and by strength and force, I, I could call down 12 legions of angels. And yet, he's the same man while suffering on the cross, looks down at the Roman soldiers who are throwing lots, who, who are gambling for his clothes and says, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. This is the man who expresses his faith by love. See how he loved him. This law, love, draws Christ into crying, into this emotion of, of sharing heartache. It, it is just what every heart desires. It is just what every soul needs. His response to Mary is to fully enter into that pain and that suffering with her. He feels the horrific power of death and grief of a lost loved one, and he feels the power and the grief of sin. He is just what we need 
when we need it. Jesus gives Martha the ministry of truth. And Jesus gives Mary the ministry of love, tears, and grace. Truth sometimes is exactly what we need, right? Sometimes we need someone to grab hold of us, Chase, and, and shake us and say, this is reality. Think about what you're doing. This is truth. I'll never forget one time I was complaining and condemning a woman who, who had all of the diplomacy of a bowl constrictor. She would bite you with her words and then just squeeze the life out of you. And I was complaining and condemning her and putting her down to my sister. And Karen looked at me and said, aren't you doing the same thing, Keith? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. See, I needed to be shaken up. I needed a little truth thrown on me so I might realize but Jesus gave Mary the ministry of tears and grace. Christ enters into Mary's pain and suffering. If anyone knows the cost of death, Barb, it's Christ. He models his own words, doesn't he? Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. His desire is to enter into Mary's world of mourning and to comfort her. Do you see Christ's character? Do you see His personality? He's just what I need. Timothy Keller says of Christ, He is both the lion and the lamb. Despite His claims to be divine, He is never pompous. Regardless of being totally approachable to the weakest and the broken, he is completely fearless before the corrupt and the powerful. He is tenderness without weakness. He is strength without harshness. Humility without the slightest lack of confidence. All authority without self absorption, holiness, and unending convictions with limitless grace. He is the lion and the lamb. So why become human? Why put himself through all of this? Why did absolute power come into our weakness? Let's continue our narrative to see. Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Look familiar? Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you will believe, you will see the glory of God? Martha's doubt starts to slip in again. She starts to say, well, wait a second, Lord. He's been there four days. He, he, he's, she's nicely trying to say, he's rotten. He's beyond recovery. He's beyond your reach. You, you, can't, you can't help him now. 
He's not only dead, he's dead and gone. And Jesus again has to remind her with words of truth. Martha, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Verse 33 and 38 have a poor translation, okay? These three words here, more moved, is one Greek word. Embry meomai. Embry meomai means to bellow out with anger, to sternly communicate, to have a threatening tone. We see this in a stern warning in Mark 1 and 43. We see it in a scolding in Mark 14 and 5. Jesus is upset. Something's making him angry. Something is arousing his anger. What could it be? What's making Christ angry? Now, I've seen people preach about this scripture and this narrative and say, well, it's the lack of people's faith that is upsetting Christ here because they don't have enough faith. But I got to tell you, I, I don't think that harmonizes with the rest of Scripture because Jesus seems to be, to be forever patient on people's growth of their faith, right? Isn't faith a continual growth? Isn't faith a continual growing of believing and putting our faith in Him? No, I think Christ is upset with evil. I think Christ is upset with sin. He's looking around and seeing the pain that sin causes. The death and the grieving and the hurt that sin is causing. And that sin is arousing the, the lion in Christ. Possibly what makes him, Christ, so upset is the thought that he and the Father created this world without suffering, without pain, and without death. And evil and death and pain were not part of the original story. And now, for just a few more days, death still has a sting. Death is still painful. But we're about to get a look at, a glimpse into what's coming and what will be. And so they took the stone away and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Then when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. He said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And let him go. Jesus, King Jesus, does for Lazarus what he could not do for himself. Lazarus could not save himself. Lazarus could not reverse death. But Jesus could. And Jesus does for Lazarus just what he needed. 
Jesus is giving us a small glimpse in what is to come. Soon there will be a day that he will come again. And all your grave clothes will be taken off. And you will be let go. Let go of pain. Let go of worry and anxiety and suffering. Let go to be free. Free with him forever. Some people say, well, Keith, Lazarus just died again. Well, he did and he didn't. Because the promise is... I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives lives by faithing in me will never die. Yeah, I know there's not an English word faithing, but that's what the Greek says. And we had to translate it with the word believing. Whoever lives a life placing their faith, believing in Christ, will never die spiritually. Do you believe this? Will this encounter change your life? Does your life look like a a victory march into eternity? Or does it look like a death march into despair? Can I tell you, your words really don't matter? They don't matter very much at all. Your commitment, your actions, your attitude, your behavior, that tells the story of your faith. Faith expressing itself through love, that tells the character of a man. Will you live like salvation has been won for you by a God who loves you? Or will you continue struggling living life in anxious fear? Or will you put your trust in a Savior who has claimed it is finished? I have done absolutely everything I need to save you, for you to be in me. Where will you put your hope? I encourage each one of you today to know the love and the grace of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. God, we we conceptually understand that you are exactly what we need. Help us to move from this concept into a life that is free of worry and anxiety, a life that is full of love, a life that knows that you are the resurrection and life is found in you. Lord, help us let go of all of the evil and to embrace you. We know that where there is perfect love, there is your son. Lord, be with us. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know where you are this morning.